Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's the penultimate day of May of 2018. Yeah, it is. Penultimate. That's one of those words that when you first hear it, you, you, you assume it means ultimate, but it doesn't. It means the day before ultimate. <laughs> Penultimate. Anyway, how you doing? I hope you're doing better than me. I can't quite uh, rouse myself uh, today. I don't know why. It's odd that yesterday I came in here having... Seen Roseanne's tweet and the blowback on Twitter. It was hard to miss. And it's odd that I, it didn't come up yesterday during the show. And I think if you'll recall yesterday's show, um, I was in a, yeah, I was in a, a, a down kind of a state. Uh, brought on by uh, the state of our country and uh, by Trump and all of that. And every little piece of paper I brought in was full of stuff that just upset me. And obviously, the, the I think I said yesterday, I've got to stop looking at Twitter. And I think uppermost in my mind was Roseanne, so much so that I didn't even want to talk about it. I didn't think for a minute that ABC would do what it did as quickly as it did. I did not. Of course, on the other hand, I didn't know that the head of their entertainment division was a black woman. <laughs> and things are different when black women are in power as opposed to white men. They're different. Things happen maybe quicker or more slowly, depending on what the issue is. But things are different. And that's good to know. It's good to know. I don't know what's wrong with Roseanne Barr. It's more than that she's a racist. I think she's uh, <laughs> I think she's mentally ill. I really do. I think she has a gift. Um, I think she's smart. I think there's something undone, unhinged, done something in her. I do. And I think the same of our president. And I think that she and he are, are very much alike. It's why they were kindred spirits. They understand each other. They both have the same lack of uh, control. They both have this narcissistic and paranoid uh, aspect uh, to their personality. They both are drawn to racism. And it's 
it's incredible. I think they're sick. And it's weird because I read, I, people increasingly are, are starting to say that. We do seem to be reaching some kind of a, I, I, I'm not the only one who's starting to come a little unhinged again. Uh, I don't think anyone who is in the slightest bit sensitive to things happening around them uh, would not be feeling extraordinary stress given what is happening in and to our country. What is hap I if you're like me, you in your entire life never really thought that anything totally terrible could happen to the United States. Right? We were strong, we were special. And somehow I th I think we really thought that all of the kinds of social, political movements that seem to impact European countries, Asian countries, African countries, South American countries weren't going to touch us. Why would we think that we were exceptional, huh? Why would you think it'd be except us? You know, this talk about American exceptionalism. Think about that, the root, except. We really thought that we were somehow set apart, different from? We did. I did. I really did. I thought there was something so miraculous about this country, about its founding, about how it continued to progress horribly slowly, but kept striving to get better, be better. And I, I was wrong. <laughs> I, and, and, and coming to terms with that is not comfortable. It's not easy. It feels like... Um, it's like a death in the family. It really feels that way, so that I mourn, and I know many of you feel the same, and and feel the powerlessness of losing something dear to us and fearing that, like death, we'll never be able to reclaim it. So, increasingly you are starting to see respected opinion writers granted on the on the um, left i mean not really tom friedman i don't think of as a lefty tom friedman friedman is about as moderate middle ground as you get he you know that because he, no one on either side loves him everybody often is uh, in agreement with him and everybody often is annoyed by him. I don't know. That didn't quite make sense, but you get the drift. He today has 
a column that you could argue sounds like me yesterday. It, it, it's unhinged a little. <laughs> it's depressed. It's frightened. And this is a guy who's like, very sort of stolid. And then there's Dana Milbank in the Washington Post, Friedman's in the Times, uh, who has a piece today in which he flat out says um, Trump is not a liar. He's a madman. And he's not referring to the, you know, the HBO, was that HBO show? Whatever. It's not that. He's referring, he's saying he's insane. He's, he's crazy. So here we have these two columnists today. Trump's not a liar, he's a madman. And Tom Friedman saying, code red. So, in some ways, as I read these things this morning, struggling to emerge from my bed, I... I feel validated in that this mood I have sunk back into is is not a mood that is irrational to be in, and it is uh, not a mood that is not shared by so many people who also, like me, poor souls all, um, have jobs that require them to pay more attention than most people have to pay. And because it is so unsettling and so unpalatable uh, to be up to date these days, um, I can see why people, including myself, you know, try to turn away, try to get away, uh, just as you know, a survival mechanism, uh, self-preservation, that's all. And yet, disengagement, as I was saying to a friend yesterday, that need to disengage is really not a, an option because disengagement is complicity. When a country is in such a precarious state, a historically precarious state, when it is enduring day after day, hour by hour events that it has never, ever seen before, so that the word unprecedented is used in every other sentence, I don't think disengagement is something that is open to someone who loves their country. Even if we can't figure out exactly what it is we're supposed to do. I'll no longer ask myself the question I asked all my life about Germany in the 30s. How did they let that happen? They were a cultured, 
educated people. Granted, they'd been brought low, but how do you allow something that evil, that despicable, to take hold? How? Well, now I see. I really do. Little by little. Nothing in and of itself rising to a level where you would, as Tom Friedman now has done, say, Code Red! Code Red! Code Red! So I... um. I don't know, guys. This is uh, this is a frightening ride we're on. It tr- it is. I I think it is not um, anything less than that. And it is also a time when if we don't stand up, our country is lost. I really, and again, I do not think I am engaging in overstatement. I really don't. I do not. I'm not saying this in a rant. I'm saying this in a very calm <laughs> voice, which should be even more frightening. Right. Dana Milbank, in his column in which he talks about the fact, let's not you know, argue about whether he's a liar. We know he's a liar. But anybody who lies like he lies has to be crazy. I mean, from the beginning, from, I guess what's frightening is that from the time he introduced himself to us as a candidate for the presidency, he was trafficking in lies. And the fact that America, my country, ate it up, loved it, voted for him is something that I find so frightening that I don't know, again, I don't know what to, what we do about that. Um, Let me quote some of Milbank to you. I have been writing for two years, he says, about Trump's seeming inability to separate truth from falsehood, from his claim that he opposed the Iraq war, to his belief that his rainy inauguration was really sunny. The man who ghostwrote Trump's Art of the Deal marveled at Trump's, and this is a quote, ability to convince himself that whatever he is saying at any given moment is true. And Trump has acknowledged that himself in a a deposition that he gave in 2007 when he was suing some guy who had written that Trump was not worth billions of dollars, 
that he was in fact worth a few hundred million, and that was it, and Trump went ballistic and sued the guy. And in the deposition, he was asked, well, how do you, cal how, how do you calculate your wealth, Mr. Trump? And here's his response, quote, My net worth fluctuates, and it goes up and down with the markets and with attitudes and with feelings. Even my own feelings. I would say it's my general attitude at the time that the question may be asked. So he's saying, if when he's asked, how rich are you, Mr. Trump, he's in a attitude of feeling really big. He says, billions, I guess. So it's how he feels that then results in a number of how wealthy he is. And, I mean, of course, that's an impossibility. Your feelings, if, if all of us could simply, <laughs> if by feeling that you're a billionaire, you could be a billionaire, well, I got a feeling a lot of people would uh, feel they're a billionaire pretty quickly. But the fact that he, who is now the president of our country, actually thinks that way. That was a serious response in a very serious moment at a deposition where he's taken an oath. And he says, I calculate it based on my feelings, my attitude. Um, you know, call in the shrinks. Uh, one cognitive neuroscientist, not a shrink, uh, pointed to something called emotional adaptation. And this, this sounds apt. She says, you know, anybody who's not a psychopath or sociopath it, it feels uncomfortable when they tell lies. I mean, you know you're lying. But research has found that the discomfort is reduced each time a person lies. Consequently, to feel less uncomfortable, you lie more and more, and eventually you don't feel uncomfortable at all about telling absolutely bald, bold lies because you have emotionally adapted. He is desensitized. He doesn't hear his own lies anymore. What is frightening is that neither do the people who are his base. And that's frighteningly close to 50% of the American voter, voters. So, 
Milbank finishes his piece today by saying, so go ahead and say he's lying, if you think so. To me, his facility with fallacy and his pain-free fibbery aren't symptomatic of a liar, but of a madman. Okay, that's the one. And if you think having a madman as President of the United States is not a frightening situation, then <laughs> I don't know. So to Tom Friedman, his is uh, different, the Code Red column he wrote today, but he is pointing to the November election, the midterm. And he is saying, if American voters do not resoundingly repudiate Donald Trump, we are in terrible trouble. He says this election is about one thing. And one thing only, it's a choice between allowing Trump to remain in total control of all the levers of political power for two or more years or not. Democrats either take back one of the three branches of our government, and that is the legislative branch, the Congress, or he's got and his Republican enablers, two and a half more years, and maybe more. And he says, we have learned now that the worst, he says, vote for Democrats, no matter what, just vote Democrats, he says, because the worst Democrat is better, is preferable to the best Republican because the best Republicans have consistently refused to take a moral stand against Trump's undermining of our government, of our law enforcement and intelligence agencies, of our State Department, of our Environmental Protection Agency, of our civil service, of our basic norms of public life, of the integrity of our elections, and the fact is, the best Republicans have allowed it to happen. And then Friedman makes clear, I don't write this kind of thing, e thing easily, which is, I don't care what it is, just vote Democrat, vote Democrat, vote Democrat, vote Democrat, because he says on many, and this is why I say he's just a moderate, on many non-social non-environmental issues, I am not a card-carrying Democrat, he says. I'm in favor of free trade, fiscal discipline, pro-business regulation, a democracy-expanding foreign policy, and I have an aversion to identity politics. So, yeah, he ain't like a... He's not comfortably, you know, totally Democrat, nor for that matter am I. But he says, all of that, though, is on hold 
for me now because something more fundamental is at stake. It's not what we do, it's who we are that's at stake. How we talk to one another, what we model to the world, how we respect our institutions, and just how warped our society and government can get in just a few years with a president who lies every day, who peddles conspiracy theories and dares to call our FBI and Justice Department a criminal deep state just for doing their job. He says there's no, there's, this has to happen in November and it has to start now. You have to register as a Democrat. You have to help someone else register to vote as a Democrat. You have to send money to a Democrat. I sent a whole bunch of money last night to Tom Wolf because it's not that I love Tom Wolf. We cannot afford to lose him in this state. He's the only thing we got go. Well, granted, we took the Supreme Court, too. We got to have him. Send money. Canvas for a Democrat. Drive someone to the polls to vote for a Democrat. Nothing else matters now. Friedman says, again, this is code red. American democracy is truly threatened. Yeah. Okay? Just saying. Um... Excuse me. I didn't listen. Bob uh, obviously listened to Trump's speech in Nashville last night. You know, I can't. I'm sorry. Um, I cannot. I heard a little snippet on my drive in this morning, and it was horrific. It was that same, you know, sort of same sort of crowd noise you heard during his campaign, which sound is, sounds like a frightening mob to me. And he was goading them and telling them that his campaign had been infiltrated. Never mind, of course, that like the likes of Trey Gowdy, the Benghazi guy, Trey Gowdy, who's as right-wing a Republican as you want, Trey Gowdy on Fox News said, the president is full of crap. He didn't say that, but that's what he said if you add it up. There are no spies. There's no infiltration. That was our FBI doing their job. <laughs> Judge Napolitano, who Trump loves, said the same thing on Fox News yesterday. Amazing. So even people who were watching Fox News yesterday got a 
a slightly different report that you mean what Trump's telling you is not true? No, it's not true. Bob writes, my favorite part of Trump's speech last night in Nashville was that he gave a shout-out to the rally's anthem singer, Trace Atkins. Atkins, a country singer, was, as Trump mentioned at his rally, the winner of a season of The Apprentice. And he called Trace Atkins a winner. There's evidence that you can take Trump from life in the Trump Tower, but you can't take the life in the Trump Tower away from Trump, even if he's president. No, I mean, no. What we've always seen is what we've gotten. He makes no allowance for the fact that now he's a resident of the White House, which sobers a lot of everybody else who's ever been in there. <laughs> but not him. He didn't change his behavior, his language. Kathleen writes, I see in your face and I hear it in your voice. I also experience your mourning and anguish every day. The problem is much more than Trump's insanity and cruelty. We have or thought that we had a Congress, a court system, a government. What happened? The Congress approves every incompetent cabinet nominee and may I say every incompetent federal judge. He is packing the federal judiciary, guys. Right now, over 30% of all people on the federal judiciary, which is tenured you now, they're on, that's it, was appointed by Donald Trump. And the federal judiciary has always served as sort of a, yeah, a wall, something Trump loves. And in that regard, he is decimating that judicial wall. The courts do nothing, she says, about ICE and all of the illegal treatment of non-citizens, the separation of children from their parents. Politicians are largely silent, with a few brave exceptions. I don't know what to do, not only as an American, but as an awake human being. We have to do something, though, or we'll not only lose our country, we'll lose our souls. Some of us could lose our lives. Please, someone, tell me what to do. Yeah, we have no leaders. But I know this, you are not alone. I'm so thankful for your voice or program. Thank you. For God's sake, we have to do something. Kathleen, I'm with you, and I just don't know. Oh, i got to get this in, and this is hearkening uh, back to yesterday's show, and it's very important. And thank God will take us for a moment from the cesspool that is Donald Trump's White House to the cesspool. This is from Susan in Hempfield. Yesterday you gave extremely bad caps. Advice about poop. Floating poop is bad. 
bad! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. According to the American Cancer Society, it is a sign of possible pancreatic cancer. Okay, well then I'm... Yike! The pancreas breaks down the fat in your system. So I guess that means if it ain't doing that, it's you're excreting it, and that would make your poop float. I had this other doctor tell me it was good if you were trying to lose weight, but that's not important. Pancreatic cancer is more important than losing some weight. So I am sorry for what I said, and I'm going to, Susan, I'm shouting this from the rooftops, you don't want your f- poop to float. Okay? And she said she learned this when watching a video of the uh, Professor Randy Pausch's last lecture. If you'll recall that wonderful CMU professor, young man, who found out he had pancreatic cancer. And um, he ended up writing a book that just, went viral in the book world because it was so wise as he knew he was dying of pancreatic cancer. Kathleen Susan says, please share this information with your listeners. I have to go out of town for a funeral <laughs> or else I'd be calling in today. <laughs> okay. Well, so Susan's at her funeral, and I'm here to tell you I gave you wrong advice. You don't want your poop to float. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. Seriously. Oh. So, what else? We mentioned Congress. Listen to this. The eight, the 115th Congress, that's what this one is. Okay, there have been 115 Congresses. You know, they, well, they change every two years, the makeup. This Congress is averaging just over 10 pieces of legislation passed and signed by the president every month. Let me tell you how little that is. 10 pieces of legislation passed and signed by the president every month and most of them are of no consequence at all. They are ceremonial BS. Like I, I noted today that somehow the Congress uh, a few years back apparently made uh, this month or this week or something National Tap Dance Month or Week or something. It's that kind of stuff. The renaming of a federal highway or post office or something like that. That is what this Congress is doing. It's doing nothing. At the current pace, this Republican-dominated Congress is on track to pass less legislation than any since the 32nd Congress. You know when that was? The 32nd Congress served from 1851 to 1853. Yeah. 
and we've never, they're going to, oh my God. And and stop and think that your t those taxes you pay, they are paying these Republicans sitting in the Congress doing nothing. They are paying them handsomely. They are giving them perks that the vast majority of us sure as hell don't get. They don't work much at all. Think of all those recesses they take. And then when they do go to work, they don't do anything except aid and abet the madman in the White House. Aid and abet his destruction of our democracy and our institutions. And we're paying them for that. That's why the midterm election is so important. Throw every one of these Republicans out if you have the ability to do so. We've got to make a statement or we're doomed. And even if we make the statement, we're not home free. Certainly not. We have learned something about us because of Trump. And it's not pretty. It's difficult. Speaking of not pretty, the last year of Obama's administration, ICE, the number of people they arrested, well, 13% of all the people they arrested had no criminal convictions. So most of the people ICE was, but the vast majority, I keep saying that, but that would be, what, 87% of the people that Obama's ICE arrested were people with criminal records. You know what that number is now under Donald Trump? The vast majority of all the people ICE is arresting now, those people you see in videos being, being pulled from their children, from their homes, from their places of employment, under Trump, 65% of them are, have no criminal record. They aren't murderers, rapists. They're not even scoff laws of the mildest form. They are hard-working people who came here in desperation. And that's a crime under Donald Trump. The crime of having brown skin and not having been born in the United States. Uh, that takes us, of course, to Puerto Rico, too, where Do Trump showed his uh, astonishing capacity for um, empathy, if you'll recall, throwing uh, paper towels at people, laughing, having a good time. Um, was that Puerto Rico? He never even went to Puerto Rico, did he? Did he ever even go? Was that Puerto Rico? I think so. And then congratulating them on how only 
40 or 64 people were killed by uh, Maria, Hurricane Maria. And we've abandoned Puerto Rico, which is, by the way, uh, our responsibility. It's part of the United States. Those are citizens of the United States. And now another study has been done, this one by some Harvard folks, and they say that the death toll is more likely uh, 4,600 people in Puerto Rico died because of that hurricane and because of the inability of emergency first responders to ameliorate their condition, they say it could be as high as close to 6,000 people. But we didn't care much, and the news didn't even follow it all that much, because eh, they're all there. You know. They seem to speak Spanish a lot, and they're, uh, they're brown. Oh my God, look at this. This is shocking. I just mentioned that uh, Donald Trump has uh, installed already um, at least one-third, and he's on record. I mean, every day, the one thing this Congress does, this Senate does, is rubber stamp any fool that he has sent up to be a fed. I mean, these are guys that are so right-wing politically, it, it, but they got the vote. Which is why if we don't pull this around in November, we're 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 done. I think we're done. Listen to this. Judges appointed by Republican presidents, and as I said, Donald Trump has done more than anybody. People have crunched the numbers. They give longer sentences to blacks. I mean they can actually okay. Let's look at the judge. Let's look at who appointed them. Democratic judges tend to be more equal in their sentencing of blacks and whites. Not Republicans. They regularly give a black defendant a harsher sentence than if his skin or her skin would be white. And the study is uh, studded with, it says, fascinating tidbits. It says that black judges, <laughs> black judges, overwhelmingly appointed by Democrats, of course, treat male and female offenders more equally than white judges do. Judges, oh, this is a big shocker. Judges in states with higher levels of racism are more likely to treat black defendants more harshly. Well, yeah, than white ones. Oh, dear. The share of Republican appointees on the federal district court courts could rise in 2020 
to 50%. Half of all the federal judiciary by 2020. Could be Republican. And what that means is being black will continue to be a serious liability if you are seeking justice in the United States. Oh, and this just in, this probably didn't get to your, um, you know, I don't know what you're watching or listening or reading, but uh, Putin has gotten another journalist killed who said harsh things about him. You know, I bet one of the reasons Trump loves Putin so much is because he can do that. You don't think Trump, if he could, <laughs> wouldn't like certain journalists disappeared? Yeah. Well, Putin just does it. I can't imagine how many the num what the number is of you write something nasty about him and your life is on the line. This guy knew that. So he left Russia. It's, the problem is he didn't go far enough away. He's 41 years old. He went to the Ukraine. And he was shot in the back at his apartment building in Kiev. He left Russia because he was receiving death threats, but we know about Putin that you can run, but you can't hide. He kills people, I think, here in the United States. There was a strange death of that Russian diplomat early in the Trump administration. He kills people in England, or tries to. And he, I mean, this last one didn't work, almost did. He kills them wherever he has to kill them, but he kills them. Okay, I just want to um, get back to uh, Roseanne, if I might, because one thing that hasn't been uh, talked about as much about some of the things that she said uh, yesterday. These are things that did not get her canned, but should have, too. It's more racism. It's actually anti-Semitism, but she's a piece of work. So she went after Chelsea Clinton in one of her tweets. Same time she's tweeting about Valerie Jarrett. Like, how would that even come up? Valerie Jarrett is not in the news, hasn't been in the news for two years. And she still gets under a racist's, you know, skin. So she accused Chelsea Clinton of being married to George Soros's nephew, which is not true. Um, and then she went on to say that George Soros was a Nazi who turned in his fellow Jews to be murdered in German concentration camps and stole their money. 
Wow. George Soros survived the Holocaust. He was Hungarian. He survived by going into hiding. He was 13 years old. And the language she used, the allegations she made are just tired, old, always being resurrected, anti-Semitic tropes. Trump's America. We have some callers on the line, I understand. Uh, Caller, hello. Go ahead. Hi, Liz. This is Jeff from just south of you. Um, yeah. Hi. Hey, I, I one, wanted to address that one uh, person that emailed you that was feeling hopeless about yes. um, <clears throat> what to do. The situation with Trump and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things that we can do. I mean, we can all volunteer for, you know, um, helping out with a campaign for a Democrat, you know, for, like, our our, um, our representative or or Tom Wolf or somebody, you know. Right. I mean, I, I, if, if we ever needed volunteers for, like, our congressmen and our senators, you know, it's now. Right. Uh, and it... it that way, it's 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 a good way to feel helpless and to actually do something because we need it. Yes. And um, I've been looking into it myself. So. Good. But uh, and as far as Roseanne is concerned, I mean, she's just you know, she's just a disgusting person. I'm glad ABC uh, took the action they did. Um, I'm really kind of like you. I was kind of surprised. Uh, I'm. I'm kind of shocked that she, you know, she lost her show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because, it, well, because it was their number, it was a number one show. They were making money. Yeah. And for a corporation yeah. to throw out a number one show be, uh, is, is, it was pretty astonishing. It was. Yep. Yeah. I, I really commend them for doing that. Yep. So, Me too. Uh, we need we need more, you know, um, people to stand up like that. So more corporations to do that. Well, you know, I think the corporate anyway. world. Well, I just want to say the corporate world seems to do that uh, more readily than the voters, because stop and think again. As I said, the voters saw Donald Trump for what he was. I mean, we—he was very open about his being a despicable, lying, adulterous. Disp- you know, repulsive character, and the people voted for him anyway. They didn't pull his show. They asked him to go to a bigger stage. And that says something about us that is hard to swallow, but it is true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, good. I mean, and thank you for the suggestion. It always feels better to be actively doing something than sitting around wringing your hands. It's true. So yep. th- thank you. Okay. okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And um, uh, we have another call. Hello. Hello. Hey, Lynn. It's Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. Uh, hey. 
Uh, two things. I sent you, uh, I just emailed you. I see the it. Makers of Ambient. I yeah, see it. Fantastic. <laughs> Shall I, here, I'll, I'll, Jonathan just sent me this, a statement yeah. from the makers of Ambient, because uh, if you didn't know, Roseanne uh, uh, last night said that she was on Ambient when she did those, uh, those racist tweets. And the maker is a, I don't know this drug company, is Sanofi? Sanofi U.S. And this is their statement. People of all races, religions, and nationalities work at Sanofi every day to improve the lives of people around the world. While all pharmaceutical treatments have side effects, racism is not a known side effect of any Sanofi medication. <laughs> That's great. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it's just perfect. And I had a question. <laughs> you were talking about the um, Russian journalist. Was that Babchenko? Uh, let me get his name. They all they all look the same to me. You know, I'm right. sorry <laughs> to say. Um, yes, it was Arkady Babchenko. Breaking breaking news. He's alive. <laughs> and. He um, tweeted an, uh, an apology to his wife. Apparently, he had to fake his own death and said, Special apologies to my wife, Olechka. I'm sorry, but there were no options here. The operation took two months to prepare. I was told a month ago, as a result of the operation, one person has been captured. He is being held. What does that mean? That's, that's from the AP. He faked his own death? Yeah. For yes. what? This is from the AP. He showed up at a news conference in Ukraine. Uh, I can send you the... My God. I can send you the link. But yeah. But and why he would he... apologize to his wife. Okay, but if he did do it, why would he do that? And then come out the next day and say, I... I don't know the whole story. This is just... Yeah, it's just oh, breaking out. Wow. Wow. I mean, the AP story I have here says he died of multiple gunshot wounds to the back. That's what Ukrainian police said. Yeah, I just emailed you. Wow. Thank you for that. Boy. <laughs> oh, <geez>. Sure. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. All right, Lynn. Thank Take you. Care. Bye. Okay, bye. Oh, my God. That doesn't in any way uh, negate anything I said about uh, Vladimir Putin and his treatment of, uh, of journalists. And I haven't gotten it yet, but that's... Okay, well, I guess I'll definitely be looking for more on, on that. And by the way, uh, just back to uh, Roseanne and this despicable tweet about um, George Soros, who was a child... <laughs> who she accused of sending other Jews to be murdered and stealing their money. How vile do you have to be? And this kind of lie has been around in the right-wing circles and the racist circles for so long that the conservative National Review uh, who doesn't like Soros, believe me, um, called it slander 
to say such a thing. And by the way, after she put that one out about Soros, it was retweeted by a number of racists, including Donald Trump Jr. Wow. Okay, that's all that we've got on it. Uh, breaking Russian journalist Arkady Bebchenko, who was reported killed in Kiev, shows up at a news conference <laughs> in Ukraine. And then, of course, the what? what's with people? I see the comments. Yeah, but is he still dead? Is he a zombie? Was he reborn? Oh, my God. Um, okay. Oh, dear. So... I wonder, well, we'll have to find out. Maybe just, I mean, if you're going to go to all the trouble to fake your own death, why would you the next day say <laughs> you'd faked your own death? Well, okay, so I guess my curiosity will be uh, rewarded at some later point down the road since uh Journalists don't like being screwed, uh, you know, around with like this, especially by another journalist who got them all to, you know, report a, a bogus story. Oh, God. Oh. And, you know, I know I haven't said anything about, you know, Harvey Weinstein uh, being in handcuffs and... Uh, I, you know, all that stuff. Wow. Again, so much is going on that if your head isn't spinning, then I, I'd have your pulse checked. So, um, Barbara is wondering, as are some other folks, if ABC wasn't so quick if ABC was so quick to fire her because, frankly, they might have been thinking about it anyway or they were um, sick of being on pins and needles all the time. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I'll read that. Okay, Jonathan has just sent some more stuff. Uh, says he had to stage his own murder... Yeah, okay, in order to capture someone. What does that mean? Uh, he said this, special apologies to my wife. Okay, Jonathan wrote it. As a result of this operation, one person has been captured. For what? Anyway, there he is, back from the dead. Uh, Babchenko said that he had found out about an assassination that was being planned against him and joined up with Ukrainian security services to catch the killer. Ah, 
and added that according to the information, Russia ordered the hit. Oh, okay. And what I guess he's saying is that someone who was put uh, who was intending to murder him was then arrested. The murder, he says, was ordered. They paid the murderer of the Kremlin, I guess, $40,000 to kill him. Wow. Okay, so that's breaking news and uh, pretty astonishing news. And let me see if there's anything a little bit newer here. No. Okay, that's all I got. And I uh, thank Jonathan for uh, for sending that to me. So you see, I mean, we got fake news here too. I gave you some fake news about him. I gave you fake news yesterday about floating poop. But I, unlike some purveyors of fake news, immediately, immediately own up and try to set the record straight. Yeah. So that's that. And I hope you have a really good day. As good a day as we can have these days. Live your life. Yes, we do have to live our lives. But we got to stop this. Okay, whatever. I don't know. I'm losing my mind. Goodbye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.